praise God for that. I'm going to go ahead and dismiss our kids to Children's Church up to third grade. We believe it's a big deal to be in the house of the Lord, so let's give these kids a good hand as they worship today, okay? And I want to commend the 1030 service this morning that you not only brought yourself to church, that you brought snow with you. So uh, take your Bible this morning and let's all open it to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. It's come to my attention that yesterday, Aileen Halcom celebrated her 97th birthday. Is that awesome? I don't know if she can watch this or see this, but let's praise the Lord for Aileen. Amen. James chapter 2. I want to invite you to read along with me as we look at this series of faith that works. And today I'm going to challenge us as a church to become the it's not what you have, but it's who you are, church. So as we read the word of God, James chapter 2, verse 1. If you're with me, say amen. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place, and say to the poor man, you stand there or sit here at my footstool, have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who loved him? Do you have dishonored, but you have dishonored the poor man? Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. And thank you, God, that you give us a roadmap. You give us instructions about what a New Testament church should look like. Thank you for James's letter this morning as we are reminded of how easy it can be us. So help us in these few moments together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The title of the message could be, according to these 13 verses, The Tale of Two People, or The Tale of Two Church Attenders, or The Tale of Two Church Guests, or The Tale of Faithful People. James deals with a real issue in the life of a church. He also deals with a carnal approach to ministry. And when I say carnal, I mean ministry that's done in the flesh. 
we can we can do that from time to time we can get real busy and start doing stuff and before long we realize we haven't prayed about it we haven't been in our Bible we, we we're not in the right attitude to do it when we do things in the flesh that's called carnality so if someone calls you a carnal Christian don't say thank you as if it's some kind of uh, affirmation of your Christian walk a carnal Christian is a cause for concern and carnal ministry is also cause for concern so James points it out and he calls it out he calls it out now have you ever had something wrong with you maybe uh, in getting ready or maybe there's something on your face or or on your nose and and you have a real friend who points it out you know what I'm talking about whereas other people saw it but they just didn't know how to approach it and they didn't want to embarrass you if you're with me so far say amen there will be times like that listen to me students and teenagers there will be times sometimes in life when things like that happen and a real friend will want to help you by helping you correct the problem I believe James should be considered a real friend to the church this morning because as you look at the first part of chapter 2 he's simply identifying the elephant in the room and here's the picture of it two people come to church this morning one walks in and they're decked out they've got on jewelry fine clothing they just look like they probably have some wealth and they come in and there's another not far behind them who comes in and the Bible says their clothes are, are filthy translation is shabby and, and it may not be because that's what they decided to wear that morning it might be because that's what they had to wear that morning and they're bringing God their best but they come in and they look completely different and here's what James addresses how different those two people are treated when they come to church now I would like to say that many of us in this room this morning know everybody in here but I know that's not true because this morning in our Sunday school teacher meeting I asked that small group do you know everyone in the room and several hands were raised that they weren't even they didn't even know the name of somebody else that was sitting as a teacher so it's reality that can take place I'm not talking about normal things like that I'm talking about making no effort to minister to somebody or to greet somebody based on how they look now let me share with you a couple things that really bother me as a pastor one is when you say to me brother Greg did you see that fellow sitting over there in left field by himself what's his name Ralph Ralph Bowman he's been going here a number of years you've never met him it bothers me when you ask me about somebody you should have already introduced yourself to listen if you see somebody in church you don't know there's the welcome sign introduce yourself now with two services it's very easy to miss people some of you are thinking boy so-and-so's dropped out of church no they're here at 8 30 okay so so we gotta be real careful but I'm talking about this morning two people walk in the same door and they're treated completely different according to James based on what they look and there's the insinuation on what they have will be how we minister to them 
hey, you've got what we're looking for, you sit in the good seat. And, and you just sit, you just be the footstool. That means under the foot. You just stand back out of the way uh, because you may not represent us well. Let me tell you something. If anybody has the right to say you may not represent us well, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we've not always held up our end of the bargain. But he's been faithful, amen? Now, I know we have a friendly church. That, that's why it's so hard when you can't greet people. Uh, you all remember Dorothy Holland. You know, Dorothy was a hugger. She would have never survived this COVID time. She would have breached the gap every week, six-foot rules over. But we were kind of, you know, D Dorothy was a hugger. And, and every now and then I have to say, Dorothy, not everybody's a hugger like you. You know, you can tell when she would grab somebody and they'd go. Uh, and you can also tell when somebody is more receptive. Uh, one corporation had in their lobby three bins of bracelets. Red, yellow, and green. Silicone bracelets. If you put a red bracelet, if you wore a red bracelet, that means don't even approach me. Yellow bracelet, I might be in for a fist bump. Green light, I don't care, shake your hand. It really kind of was kind of a neat thing, wasn't it? I guess you could also wear them as, as gospel bands, right? Red, this, uh, Jesus died for my sin with his blood. Yellow, we all need to yield our life to Christ as Savior and Lord. Or green, when you give your life to Christ, man, that's when you really start living. You recognize what Jesus has done. But the truth is, this COVID season has been difficult for greeting. But I'm not going to use COVID as an excuse this morning. Because it wasn't identified during this letter from James as it was the reason this was happening. So two people enter the church and they're treated differently. Here's what we know about them. We know they arrived at the same place and they walked in the same door. This passage talks about the assembly. The translation for this word assembly here is synagogue. Many believe that it's uh, just another proof that this letter was written real early uh, to the Jewish believers. So they come through the same door to worship. They come to the same place. They have the same opportunity, but it's their appearance that is different. Now I want you to look to your right and look to your left. You're most likely sitting beside someone that looks different than you. Okay, is that true? Now, as there was a distinction of how people were treated in worship, and I told you it kind of bothers me as a pastor when you ask me about somebody that you should have met. Debbie, I used you all as an example in the first service, Jessica. Um, and since you're sitting here, I don't want to embarrass you. But a while back, a few weeks ago, they've been faithful to come every Sunday and I realized I, I wasn't familiar with their first names. So the way I do it is I kind of lean in or fall in. I, I said, you all remind me of what your first names were, are. And they said Debbie and Jessica. And, and I, made it, I made it my goal the next week to be able to identify them by name. Okay? Same place, same opportunity their appearance caused no one to ask their name. It takes boldness to come to church by yourself. It takes boldness to visit a church that you're not normally visiting. 
Good to have Mark's mom and stepdad here today. God bless you all. Good to see you. One had fine clothes. One had filthy. The word for filthy is shabby, dirty. One was accepted. One was paid attention to. And one seemed to be invisible. Several years ago, Trevor and I went out to lunch together. I won't, I won't identify the place, but it was in West Hamilton, close to Marcia, what's the name of it? Huh? Applebee's. It's such a painful memory, sometimes I can't remember the name of the restaurant. We walked in, and you know when something's not right, like you sit for a while and nobody approaches your table? You know you like when you go to a restaurant for people to, to recognize you're there. Or somebody at least come by and say, I'll be with you in a minute. None of that. So I looked at Trevor and said, Trev, do we have our invisible clothes on? And he said, no, I'm sure we don't, but I do believe there are other places that a person can eat. And we got, we got up and kind of, you know how you are when you leave like that? You're kind of like, and we slid out. It was almost as if we were there, but nobody knew it. Nobody noticed. I kind of feel like that's the person in the filthy clothes in this picture. They were in the exact same place, but no one cared. Aren't you glad this morning that there was somebody in your life, Christian, a preacher, another Christian, a Sunday school teacher, a parent, a friend, that told you about somebody who cared about you regardless of what you have and what you look like? Listen to me. It bothers me when we constantly label Americans. Why, why can't we just all be Americans? It bothers me when someone starts off a story like this. I have a black friend. What does that have to do with friendship? Amen. The ground at the foot of the cross is level. And what I believe James is teaching us today is that if the ground at the foot of the cross is level, it should be level in the local church. That's the first thing I want you to jot down this morning. They placed a different value on somebody by the way they look. They placed a different value on somebody uh, who was there who could do something for them. They showed favoritism. They showed the good seats to them. They showed obvious priority. So this morning, you and I need to recognize if we're not careful as a church, we can become that church. We can become those people. And the, and the ground being level at the foot of the cross means there's nothing too big for God. There's nothing that overwhelms him. Your life is not so far out of control he doesn't know what to do. The good news is he can handle your need. He can change your life when you come to him by faith regardless of what you're bringing to him. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Paul writes, For I delivered you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scripture. In this passage, there's a very simple truth. 
Money does not take you to heaven. Money does not buy your way to heaven. Position in this world does not get you to heaven. Gold and fine linen clothing do not get you to heaven. It's not the things we have to offer God. It's the heart that God knows all about us. And when you say, Lord, you know me, I'm a mess. I'm in need of being saved and a savior. He's willing to work with that kind of heart. Amen. Luke 19.10, the greatest search and rescue mission ever was led by the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And when somebody says you're lost, they mean this is not where you're supposed to be. I've had people tell me before, uh, where's downtown Camden? I said, you're just west of it a little bit. You're, you're here. This is it. And folks, listen. Only Jesus. Only Jesus can meet that person's need at the foot of the cross where the ground is level. The lyrics to a song by a man named Stephen Phillips says, He walked down the aisle of the church praying to the Lord. In a time of separation, it was in the days of the Civil War. The general knelt down beside an old slave there that day to pray. And the scoffers asked him, why would you kneel beside him? And here's what he had to say. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Makes no difference who you are or where you come from, rich or poor, bond or free, Jesus died for all. The ground is level at the cross. Amen? But let me tell you who taught us that greatest lesson in Scripture. It was Jesus. He was sitting by the well that day when she came by, a Samaritan of little worth, trapped in sin most of her life. But he did not refuse her for who she was or what she had done. For salvation is for whosoever will come by way of the cross. Why? Because the ground is level at the foot of the cross. So two, two people walk in the same door, have the same opportunity, hear the same message, and should be provided the same ministry from a local church. Sometimes people scare us because you just don't know them, right? We, 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 we judge each other, but yet God calls us to love each other and to know each other. He does the judging. He takes care of that judgment issue. Here's another thing I want us to see this morning. It's almost as if God reminds us that he always chooses people over possessions. He always chooses people over possessions. You remember the story in Luke chapter 16, verse 20? There was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who laid at the gate. He was desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. The Bible says the dogs came and licked his sores. So when the beggar died, he was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, the rich man lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Brothers and sisters, I want to remind you this morning that hell is just as real as heaven. 
for a preacher to go around and just make everybody think they're going to heaven is not the gospel. The only way you get to heaven is by way of faith in Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection on Calvary's cross. If someone tells you about the reality of hell, you have a friend who loves you and wants you to go to heaven. Remember what I've said before? Never met anybody when you ask them the question, do you want to go to heaven? I've never met anyone say, no, I don't want to go to heaven. But not everybody's going to heaven. Only those who know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord personally. Christians. Isn't it interesting that the rich man just, he was in such torment, just the tip of your finger and just get, that would, that would give me some kind of relief. Just dip the tip of your finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in the flame. But Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he's comforted and you're tormented. You know what I believe that means based on our James passage this morning? You can't buy your way to heaven. Here, someone who struggled, a beggar, is in heaven. Remember? Same door, same opportunity, same message. You and I as a church don't get to choose who we're going to minister to. I thank God for a church that has a mission heart, a mission-minded heart. God gives us an opportunity to reach people who have things and do not have things. And when you look at someone, you should see a soul. Do they know Jesus as Lord and Savior? You should not see the color of a skin or an economic background. You should see somebody that God loves. As a matter of fact, when he realized that this wasn't going to happen, Verse 26 says, besides this, between you and us, there's a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those pass to us. Then the rich man said, I beg you, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. I believe believe some of hell is simply realizing what you've missed. And that it will never be satisfied. He said, well, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. You know what that means, paraphrase? They have a preacher. They have a a Sunday school teacher. They have a chaplain. And he says, no, Father Abraham. But if one goes to them from the dead, they'll repent. But he said to them, if they did not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. That was a story of two, two men. Lives changed. One had stuff, one didn't. One's body was full of sores, anguish on this earth, but delivered in heaven. Amen? For the glory of God. Number three, we are prone to judge based on the past rather than encourage for the present. Now, choices have consequences. Choices have consequences. But I want to remind you that failure doesn't have to be the final period to the sentence of your life. 
We can use things. We can grow. We can learn things. Our nation made a choice. We have a new president. We have a new vice president. My question to you is, are you going to pray for your leadership? The answer should be yes. Why? Because that's our call. That's our duty. And we should praise God for the opportunity to do that. You see, sometimes we look at the past and we want to label somebody as a loser and, and, and uh, as if we somehow cast the final verdict. But what Jesus does is he sees who we are. He sees what we can become. He forgives us when we come to him in confession and repentance and gives us a new start. The Bible says we become a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things become new. Now, who did that? The one who knew us best. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now, let me tell you somebody that needed a friend to encourage them. The Apostle Paul. When he gave his life to Christ, the Christians were so afraid of him, I imagine there were some sitting in the crowd that said something like this, there ain't no way he's saved. No way he's a Christian. He only did that for a, for a reason, to, to angle himself to kill more Christians. But there was a fellow in the crowd named Barnabas that God used. And he stepped up beside Paul and said something like this. Hey, guys, just give him a chance. Let's give him a chance. You remember how you were new in your faith? He's got a lot of, he's rough on the edges. And you, and you have every right to be afraid of him. But let's see what God has done in his life. And the Bible says about Paul's ministry he hit the ground running. When the scales were removed from his eyes, he hit the ground running. And God began to use him in a great way. Everybody needs encouraged. Now, people like Maxwell, they, they say that uh, it take, when someone says something negative to you, it takes about nine statements of affirmation to get you over that. So, I think, I'm, I'm trying to process it a little bit. There was a book entitled, Especially for a Woman, and the writer's name was Ann Anderson, and she wrote about her sister, Jan, who was a third grade teacher. In her class, she had a little boy named Rodney that had a sweet attitude. He was a pleasant little kid, but he didn't do well in his school assignments. He was always late and seemed like there was something wrong outside of what she knew and so one day she just called called him to her desk and and looked down from her chair into to his eyes and said Rodney you're a smart boy you could be doing so well in your grades in fact you're one of the smartest students in this room and before she could finish he blurted out I didn't know that And from that moment on, Ann said, something in Rodney changed. His papers were neater, his work was better, his grades improved, all because of a dose 
of encouragement. Now, the big news is the COVID shot. I believe the church James is writing about needs to line up a bunch of people and shoot them in the arm with a good dose of encourage somebody else and quit picking who you're going to minister to and quit deciding what you're going to do open your palms nothing you have first Camden is yours anyway serve the community be gracious givers and God will bless that it's interesting that when the Bible warns us about discouraging our children uh, we can turn the command inside, inside out and read it something like this fathers and mothers cultivate good attitudes in your kids encourage them it's not easy being a kid find a way to encourage affirm and strengthen a teenager or whomever you meet along the way in the Lord now you don't have to look around very hard in the church to be an Ann Anderson and just stop and encourage somebody I was challenged by another preacher this past week to write one of my former pastors that I had grown up as a boy so I'm gonna give you a name that I doubt anybody here knows his name is Bernard Toppings Brother Toppings pastored North Dayton when Renee and I were young married. He was there the day both of our kids were married or born. He was, I remember him in the hospital room. But I remember those days at North Dayton. I was a young deacon. And I remember some deacons meetings that I'd rather forget. Grown men standing up in the face of their pastor. Here's how I started my letter if I would have known then what I know now. So I just tried to write a letter of encouragement. I want to, I want to challenge you this week. Somebody in your life, in your Christian life, won't you, won't you just take time to write a personal note to somebody and just remind them of the impact they've had on your life. It doesn't take much work to be the third grade teacher Ann Anderson and just look around and pour into somebody you see the difference in the kind of church that doesn't see people how they look but rather who they are the difference is attitude not appearance sometimes the external identifiers carry more weight and, and, and by the way why did, why did they rich, mention riches because sometimes that gift comes with a string I'll give this much if you do this so where do we begin as a church where do we even begin as a church here's here's a few things okay first of all by asking God to forgive us if you've been that way if I've been that way God help us amen God forgive me and that's the same place you begin when you recognize your relationship with Christ. You recognize that sin is against a holy God. God forgive us. And then secondly, God show us. Show me. Show us people. 
God, move me. Move us to the point of doing something and not just being the one that sits in the back pew and says, who is this? Who is that in right field out there in the back seat? That's Denny Rapier. That's who it is. He's got a heart. and He's got a soul. Amen? And, and he's part of the body of Christ here. And we can praise the Lord for his goodness. But God, just not just show me, move me to make somebody feel welcome. Provide, Lord, through this. Open the door. And then draw us together close for your glory. To one, he said, you sit here. To the other, you stand there. And then James just makes it very clear. Have you not sinned by doing that? Have you not sinned by doing that? Have you not sinned by showing priority or, or favoritism to somebody? Make sure you understand something, church. The New Testament church, the, the instructions, the diagram, the manual that God gives us teaches us that we are to build bridges, not erect walls. And I love what the old song sang. He built a bridge to heaven with three rusty nails and two pieces of wood so that all could come to him who recognized who he is, who we are, and the price he paid on Calvary's cross to die for our sin. Now realize when we come to church, we have, you ready, our seats. Mary, Mary Vernon said, Brother Greg, you took the tape off. I'm not sure which seat to sit in. Okay. I recognize that. And that's all fun and fine. But remember this message when you come in and someone's sitting in your seat. The way to handle that is not a gas. It's not, oh, church, good to be with you today. Oh, hi, guys. Hi, oh, good. This would be my seat. I've been in it for 28 years. No, it, this is the way to handle stuff, okay? sit up here so we're not screwed. I don't think I've met you all. Dan and Lori Page. Right? All right, good. Here's Judy, our secretary of the church. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, that's the way you do it. There's no doubt in my mind we have a, a loving, friendly church. Amen. I love you all like my own family. But let's make sure we don't forget that every time somebody comes through those doors, they've made a decision. They've come to worship. We're going to love them. Amen? We're going to love that little boy in children's church right now. Or uh, parents, good news, February 7th, we're going to resume nursery. Okay? I challenged the 830 service this morning. I would love to see you attend church at 830 and serve at 1030. Maybe some of you can do the same at 8.30. But we're going to love that little baby in the nursery that's got a runny nose. What are we going to do? We're going to wipe it. Anybody will say amen? 
that little boy or that little girl that takes time just to look at you and hug you. Uh, Landon's little girl, not the redhead. Adeline, Adeline this morning told me after the service between, I'm going to find three people to encourage. She gets it. She gets it. Every head bowed, every eye closed.